Hey, gang, I hope you bought your party pants because we're checking into Club Dub. The Dolphins winning 36-34 in Los Angeles, exercising the demons of last year. We're talking about it here today on this Club Dub episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami, welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It's your team every day here on the Locked On Network. It is Sunday night, September 10th, and I'm just getting started because we're checking into Club Dub tonight. The Dolphins victorious over the Chargers by a final score of 36-34, to the barn burner of week one of the 2023 NFL season. The Dolphins are off to a good start, 1-0, Club Dub, we're checking in. Get yourself comfortable. Drinks are in the back. Smoke them if you got them. Light up that Chargers pack because we're going to have a good old time here on the show. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply and whoop, buddy. I'm going to have a good time tonight. If you need me, I'm going back through all the YouTube comments from all the Los Angeles Chargers fans who felt it was necessary to come rain on our parade all throughout the course of the week. And I'm going to like every single one of them. (laughs) The Dolphins, 536 yards of offense. 8.2 yards per play. Tua Tungvaloa, 28 of 45, 466 yards, three touchdowns, one interception was DPI. It's neither here nor there. Uh, Not sacked a single time without Teron Armstead. Teron Armstead did not play in the game. And Lee Meigerberg was listed on the depth chart as a starting left guard. Well, guess what? Kendall Lamb held it down. And Isaiah Wynn was your starting left guard. And uh, the Dolphins kind of dodged a bullet here, if we're being honest. There were a lot of self-inflicted wounds, but the, the biggest thing to take away is that the Dolphins... Uh, have completely exercised the demons of the Chargers game from last year. And you kind of heard the messaging from Mike McDaniel and the players all week long, talking about the preparation for the game and giving credit to the Chargers for what they did. And lo and behold, Derwin James and Ray Sean Slater and Joey Bosa and J.C. Jackson. Well, you, J.C. Jackson didn't help you much, L.A. Uh, there, there was a lot here for offensively for the Dolphins that you can build upon for what that team did to you last year, to what the response was. And credit where credit's due. I never in a million years would have guessed that you would have scored 45, threw threw the ball 45 times and asked him to throw it even more than that. Tua scrambled on a couple of occasions and was very judicious. But they did. And they had all the space in the middle of the field. All the things that they didn't have at their access last year were there. Um, I think there were some nice wrinkles. I thought the horizontal same side push motion from Mike McDaniel, they did it with Tyreek Hill on a couple of tear motions early in the game. And then they started really doing it with the backside of the backfield, working on those zone match concepts and communication and assignments and speed to the flat and really testing the communication. The adjustment to take that and put it to the strength, I think was a really great one for the Dolphins. But for them to come out, you know, just kind of going down the run rundown, 31st downs in this game, just like the Chargers had. 
23 passing the ball. They were four of nine on third down. They were one-on-one on fourth down. And I got that one written down in my little handy-dandy notebook here. Fourth and seven with three minutes left in the second half trailing. You go for it on the plus 45 and you convert on fourth and seven and get a first down. And then you go down and you score a touchdown. An incredible call by Mike McDaniel. And then using the timeout with 12 seconds left to force the Chargers to kick the field goal with time, and you get the ball with nine seconds left to close the half after the Chargers are looking to double dip the middle eight. You get a crazy brain fart of a DPI from J.C. Jackson that gives you a chance for a free three points at the end of half. And guess what? The Dolphins needed every one of them because they won by two. An incredible swing at the end of the first half there between the fourth down conversion, their only fourth down conversion, their only fourth down attempt of the game, fourth and seven. It was a long, long fourth down attempt, barely over the 50-yard line, scoring a touchdown on that drive, and then striking back from the Chargers double dip to prevent a middle eight catastrophe. That's big time. It is big time. Now, there, there, there was not everything was big time in this football game. There's no question of that. The run defense is something we're going to spend all week talking about, I am sure, because the Chargers rushed for 234 yards on 40 attempts, 5.9 yards per carry. 55 of those came from one Austin Eckler run, and what I can tell you is in this Fangio system, the recipe for disaster is runs that split the spine of the defense with momentum because your final player in support is coming from 12 to 15 yards of depth. That is the whole point, is to play and live in the light boxes. I have some observations on the defensive side of the ball and the execution and what the hard part was and probably why you saw Miami stay so committed to it. We'll get to that perspective in segment three. Uh, but I acknowledge that can't work like that all game long. I, I think you tip the cap to Kellen Moore uh, for continuing to call a patient game for the Chargers. Uh, that, that was kind of the test of Wills was who's going to blink, who is going to get away from the continued script as it plays out. Can you be patient? Um, and, and Miami continuing to present two high safety shells and light box counts and, and Kellen Moore and the Chargers offense continuing to take it and take it and take it and take it. And you saw a couple of instances on first and 10 down the stretch where they started to put themselves in position to throw on first and 10. And a couple of them were, were broken up by Dolphins defenders. The Chargers still wriggled their way out of those. But that was kind of as this game was unfolding in the fourth quarter, I'm watching these first and 10 possessions for the Chargers and seeing them not take and instead throw the ball. And, and it's really eye-opening to say, okay, like, are they going to blink? Well, they, they didn't end up blinking. The Dolphins took it at the end. And the Dolphins' offense deserves the win here. Uh, because Miami, you go down, you turn the ball over uh, in the red zone, down inside the five-yard line on your opening possession. They go down and score a touchdown. That's a brutal 14-point swing of the ball game. Uh, you throw an interception in the end zone that I, I did think was pushed off by J.C. Jackson. Uh, a ton of credit to Jalen Waddell. Jalen Waddell, when that ball was intercepted by J.C. Jackson, Waddell was kind of going that direction but not particularly close. And he got on his horse, and he chased J.C. Jackson down at the four-yard line. And then the Dolphins get the stop and force the punt, and they take over inside the Chargers, I believe, 40, 45-yard line as a result because Cater Kohu comes on a nickel pressure, and you kind of saw the selective pressures for Miami. 
and Miami kind of had the opportunity. And, and, and of course, when the Chargers have to throw the ball, you saw the fire zone blitzes and the pressures, and that really had success in disrupting the timing of the Chargers. So uh, there, there's some good on defense. I think there's probably more more good. It never feels as good as it feels on one side of the ball, and it never feels as bad as it feels on the other side of the ball. You know, the truth is always somewhere in the middle. Uh, so we'll we'll get the film and we'll do the perspective on both sides of the football and and uh, where the truth really lies for Miami. But you know, what I can tell you is the Dolphins are one and zero, and it was a dogfight. And this offense did not blink. We're going to talk more about that offensive performance for the Miami Dolphins next here on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. So stick with us. These days, every new potential hire feels like a high stakes wager for you and your small business. And that's why you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. You can do so at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. You can add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your profile to spread the word that you're hiring and simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and qualities and experience so you could quickly prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That is linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Hey, so listen too. Uh, we are settling in a club dub. It's our first time for the season. I don't know about you. I'm fired up. We're here to party, right? So while we're here, we got the drinks, we got the snacks, and amongst the snacks, We've got our friends over at Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips. These are not the weak and feeble chips that you might be accustomed to. These, these are the ones that can actually handle a hearty swoop of guac. Oh, Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips understands the pain of weak tortilla chips. These chips are literally built to dip because they're built the old-fashioned way. They cut them from actual tortillas. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips are both sturdy and delicious. They are crisp, corny, organic. They will take your tailgate or your club dub experience to the next level. Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips are now available in sea salt, lime, and nacho flavors. You can find them in the deli section with the chips at Publix. So head on over to Publix, grab a bag of Zach's Mighty, and scoop that guac like the stud you are. So the offensive performance here for the Dolphins. I have not caught my breath. Um <laughs> Credit where credit's due. Um, the offensive line, I think that's where we start. Uh, the Dolphins had early success running the football, but this turned into a blow for blow. Um, anything you can do, I can do better. Now, it wasn't necessarily a quarterback duel. Justin Herbert finishes the game 23-33, 228 yards and one touchdown. To a 28-45, 466 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Uh, Raheem Mostert leads the way for the Dolphins, rushing 10 carries, 37 yards, one touchdown. Tyreek Hill, 11 receptions, 215 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Tua uh, just got off the podium for his post-game press conference uh, in L.A., and that dude's jersey was pretty darn clean. Uh, Tua takes an opportunity to slide on one occasion. Uh, he's on the ground trying to handle the snap issues, and that's when we talk about things never being as high as they feel like. Dolphins realistically probably should have scored 45-plus points tonight. 
Like it, it was that they moved the ball that freely. They were two of five in the red zone. Excuse me, three of five in the red zone. Usually you don't go three of five in the red zone and lose the turnover battle two to nothing and lose the time of possession and give up 234 yards rushing away the football game. That's usually not the recipe for success. 10.4 yards per pass, 8.2 yards per play. Toronto Armstead didn't play. And yet, did you hear Joey Bosa or Khalil Mack's name called once other than Khalil Mack chasing down a run from the backside? From a protection standpoint, this was an outstanding performance. Now, you still have to figure out, I don't know if Tua pulled out too early on the first muff snap inside the five-yard line. Uh, obviously, you had the drop shotgun snap from Tua. Th those, th those things can't happen right? And you had an, a couple other near misses with those kinds of issues. You got to get that stuff figured out. So I don't know what needs to happen for us to address that issue. Um, obviously on the drop snap, it's simple to keep your eyes, you know, and make sure you get the snap. But as far as the pass protection goes and to his pocket mobility, I thought was uh, really, really good stepping up, climbing the pocket. I thought the interior of the pocket, and I've had an interesting theory as it pertains to the Dolphins and their positional valuing. And, and we've really felt like the interior has been the strength between Rob Hunt and Connor Williams. And, um, now Isaiah Wynn, I, I thought had a strong performance just based off the TV copy when I was not hyperventilating. And when you're a quarterback like Tua and you're not the biggest guy, but you do have quick feet. You do have pretty good peripheral vision for rushers. Having the integrity of the interior of your pocket allows Tua Tagovailoa to do what he did throughout the course of this game, which was on several occasions, skip up into the pocket, hitch up into the pocket, climb interior gaps, and then make judicious decisions with the football, which has not always been a consistent thing. Well, it was against the Chargers. And that's a win. And building that kind of momentum, I think, can go a long way. What surprised me was the Dolphins didn't, really do anything that I thought the offensive blueprint should look like, <laughs> which is why I'm sitting here doing the post game show and not in the locker room with the rest of the coaches celebrating the win. I'm okay with that. I have no problem being wrong. I don't have an ego in this anymore. You do this long enough. You, you're wrong pretty often because it's your job to have an opinion on everything from afar. So uh, 536 yards of offense on 65 plays for the dolphins after uh, 51 plays for 100 216, 219 yards of offense last year against the same matchup with relatively the same team other than you flipped out Drew Tranquil for um, Eric Hendricks, which is potentially an upgrade. I don't know about Kendrick. I'll, I'll have to see what the defensive tape looks like for Kendricks and his processing in the system. Uh, but you get Bosa back. You get J.C. Jackson back. You get Derwin James back. There's, there, there was no layups here. Well, there, there was everything to indicate this was going to be an absolute dogfight. If you had told me before the game that the Dolphins would have scored 30 points, I'd have been over the moon. And yet here we were, and the Dolphins had 30 points with three minutes left to play. If that. And it's no sure thing, and you're sitting here hyperventilating. Um, yeah, Dolphins scored... Their touchdown, they took the ball over at 353 after the Chargers kicked the field goal. 
uh, to go up by four points. And Miami um, really battles out. You get the third and 10, you get the Tyreek Hill completion. Um, and then Miami really st- kind of catches fire after the first completion in the game where Derwin James rolls down and you get up over the top of it. Uh, when Tua scrambles and gets off his spot. There's so much <laughs> I want to talk about in this game. Uh, how about Braxton Berrios? I was told, aside of the fact that I was told that the Dolphins' offensive line before the season started was a nuclear cataclysmic hole on the roster, I was also told the Dolphins didn't upgrade their supporting cast uh, in any capacity. And yet, here's Braxton Barris with three catches for 42 yards, two critical receptions in the game. Going down, digging out the third and the 17-yard completion on third down, two rolling to his left, going down low between two defenders to scoop that ball off the turf. Two outstanding plays from Braxton Barrios. You give me that performance from Brax all season long, and it's going to be a massive upgrade for the Dolphins. As a comment, two carries for 17 yards, had 12-yard rush. Some schemed looks. There's a lot to be enthusiastic about with the offensive performance, obviously. You had 536 yards of offense, averaged almost nine yards of play, and scored 36 points. You won the football game. Now, we do have to talk about the defensive performance, and uh, I have some perspective here. I have some performances that stood out to me, and we are going to talk about that to bring this episode of Locked on Dolphins, our club dub episode, to a close. Stick with us. But before we go any further, we are officially back in the thick of it. NFL season is here, and we have some incredible offers at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets, guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday tickets from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You bet on everything from the spreads, player props, everything in between. Maybe you want to bet two goes for, I don't know, 500 yards next week. <laughs> Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you do not want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the National Football League. So defensively, um, I think there's a couple layers to this. Um, I do think the performance up front was not good enough. I think you saw the Dolphins kind of scratching and clawing to try to find the right combination for what the Chargers brought, and credit where credit's due. You know, I, I thought Rayshon Slater pitched a heck of a game at left tackle. Uh, I think... Uh, Corey Lindsley and Zion Johnson and Jamari Salyer uh, really brought the heat on the interior and they really got after you. And then one guy they really got after was Raekwon Davis. And this has always kind of been the thing that I've had with Raekwon is when you're six, seven, a legit six, seven, but you're a nose tackle, it's your objective to hold the point of attack and anchor against the run and anchor against double teams and not get moved off your spot and not be displaced and not have offensive linemen climbing up into the laps of your linebackers, especially in a light box count, being 6'7 and doing that is hard. And I thought, you know, this was one of the better interior offensive lines and better overall offensive lines in the entirety of the NFL. And it showed. Uh, they, they really dogged Raekwon. 
a lot of instances in my mind where 98 was worked off his spot. And it's it, it can't be like that. It cannot be like that. But at the same time, uh, you, you saw the Dolphins trying to they put Andrew Van Ginkle on the second level and was trying to have him fire down into gaps to get the, get an extra hat at the line of scrimmage. Uh, just, just too much displacement. And the Chargers, when they wanted to, Josh Kelly went 16 for 91, 5.7 yards per carry. Eckler's carries were obviously boosted by the 55-yard run. He went 16 for one, 117. But here's the deal. When the cat on the other side of the line of scrimmage is Justin Herbert, isn't the objective to mitigate that player. I'm not saying your plan was to allow 240 rushing yards. It obviously was not. But if the objective is to mitigate the impact of Justin Herbert and don't let him be the one that beats you, 6.9 yards per attempt, sack three times, quarterback rating of 99.1, 228 yards, sufficient, efficient, didn't make any mistakes. But I don't want to say you took the ball out of his hands. But you dared the Chargers to play a 60-minute game and let it be about somebody that wasn't your franchise quarterback. And I think structurally, that's the objective of this defense. It is a world you're going to live in. Now, your performance on the, on the nose, I, I think, and in the entirety of the front has to be better. There's no question. I'm not, I'm not mitigating that. But I am saying, I think that's why you saw Miami content to say, hey, we can freely move the ball on offense. Hey, they're, they're taking the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands. So we're going to play the same kind of structure. We're going to try to make adjustments. We're going to try to force some stops. And to the Dolphins' credit, uh, they, they did force uh, three punts. Now, that's not a great number. Jake Bailey punt, punted once. It was not good. Uh I'm, I'm making a conscious decision as I'm hit, sitting here looking at the kicking game numbers not to acknowledge Jason Sanders' missed extra point other than to say it took about 15 years off my life. And uh, he did a nice job kicking field goals. I thought he struck the ball well. But boy, oh boy, uh, would I have not enjoyed doing this podcast if the Chargers got down and kicked a field goal and the Dolphins lost by a point because of a missed extra point from Jason Sanders after all the stuff that happened last year. So speaking of performances that need to be better, I'm looking at the kicking game because Jake Bailey's punt was not particularly good either. Surprise, surprise. But that aside, defensively for Miami, I think you saw the, the uh, th this is the telling, the telling statistic of the game. If you look at the leading tacklers for the Dolphins defense, who do you think they are? How many tackles do you think they have? How many times were they around the football? Javon Holland, 14 total tackles. Not a surprise. It's a safety, safety engineer defense. It's organized to weaponize the safeties. Deshaun Elliott, second on the team, 13 total tackles. Then you got Jalen Phillips on the line. Okay, I see you. Cater Kohu, your nickel corner, was fourth on the team with nine total tackles. Xavier Howard was fifth on the team with six total tackles. You have DBs as four of your top five tacklers. And credit where it's credits due, I think those guys did a relatively good job of tackling and making plays when they had to fill from space. And you saw the Chargers do a lot of formational stuff to and motions to put Xavier Howard into the run fit. I think that's good coaching from other teams because that's not been a strength of Xavier Howard's. Now, I think do I think some of the penalties on Xavier Howard were ticky-tack? Yeah. Um, was I 
pleased with kind of the extra contact down the field that we made sure we called illegal contact instead of DPI uh, because the ball wasn't catchable. Yeah, it is what it is. Um, but to put this defensive performance in perspective, I think they made a cognitive decision that this is how we're going to play because we don't want 10 to beat us. And they didn't. And instead, one beat 10 and the rest of Los Angeles. And that is a reason to smile. Because if you don't mind, I'm going to go check myself into uh, my favorite seat in Club Dub. I'm out of here. It's your team every day. appreciate you guys checking out the show. Uh, I am Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan. Uh, you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'm jazzed, man. I don't know if you could tell. Uh, I'm exhausted. I'm mentally exhausted. I can't wait to do the follow-up. The Dolphins are getting ready to go play on Sunday Night Football against the New England Patriots in Week 2. The Patriots falling uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, this afternoon as well. So we're, we got to start getting ready for game prep against the Pats. Road divisional game. It's a huge one. Uh, but Miami steals one here, and they earned it with the in intestinal fortitude of what they showed on offense. And that, especially because of the storylines for what this team and Miami did last year, should be applauded. And I hope you're going to bed tonight pumped, just like I am. I'm Kyle Krabs. I am out of here. Fins up. Appreciate you guys checking out the show. I'll talk to you all again soon.